Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to another edition of Radio Free Acton. This is the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. My name is Mark Vandermoss, and it's my pleasure to be your host here on the podcast of the Acton Institute. We've got a good one for you today. Uh, We'll be having a panel discussion, actually, talking about the question of whether or not a Christian democracy movement or political party uh, could survive, could thrive here in the United States uh, in in similar in, in a similar fashion to the way that such parties have risen in other Western uh, countries, other modern nations. Germany is a, a prime example, with the Christian Democrats being a, a pretty powerful force in uh, German politics. Um, but uh, this is obviously a question that comes up in the wake of the 2016 election, which is an election that turned a lot of assumptions uh, about American politics and about the American electorate uh, perhaps on their heads. Uh, and so a lot of people are trying to figure out how does this, uh, how does this work in the future now? What, and, and Christians are, are no different. Christians who have interest in politics and who want to see uh, their, their values advanced uh, in, in political discourse and, and, and policies enacted that honor those values. Um, Christians now are sort of at a crossroads. The question of how, how do Christians influence politics uh, in, in the Donald Trump era? Uh, what does it mean that so many Christians supported Donald Trump in the primaries, even um, prior to his nomination as the Republican nominee? And uh, is the influence of Christianity diminishing in American culture and, and American politics? And what, what, what do Christians do about that if that is the case? Hunter Baker is a man who asks these questions quite a bit, and uh, he uh, is uh, kind of the driving force uh, that that led to this podcast. Hunter is a university fellow and associate professor of political science at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. He's an affiliate scholar here at the Acton Institute, and he uh, organized a symposium on that question, the question of Christian democracy in America, for the latest issue of the journal Perspectives on Political Science. We have Hunter with us today, and we also have a few of the other contributors to that symposium, including Micah Watson, who is Associate Professor and uh, William Spoolhoff Teacher Scholar Chair in Political Science at Calvin College uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Acton's hometown. And uh, a couple of, uh, of Acton scholars as well, Paul Bonicelli, our Director of Programs and Education. Uh, he uh, co-authored a piece on Christian democracy and foreign policy with uh, Jordan Baller, who's also with us today. He's a Senior Research Fellow here at the Acton Institute. And of course, uh, Paul Bonicelli draws on uh, a number of years of service in the executive branch of government and uh, his own Christian faith in, in, uh, in examining these questions. So uh, without going too much further in introductory talk, uh, let's uh, pass the microphone over to Jordan Ballard to get this discussion underway on the question of Christian democracy in America here on Radio Free Acton. Hunter, talk a little bit about the motivation, the background for organizing the symposium in perspectives on political science and, and what you hope to accomplish. Yeah, um, I think that what happened was was that I was watching. I, I watched all the debates from the uh, from the recent election cycle, and um, you know, as I listened, I just began to feel like that there's a certain reflexiveness to everything that was said. Uh, I started to think about um, ways in which some of the some of the kind of uh, ordinary prescriptions or things that we hear over and over again uh, might not be hitting home with people. Uh, you know, I started to wonder: Did we need 
know, maybe a new vocabulary, new ideological framework, was just some way to kind of break the logjam and find a, a different way to talk about politics. And <clears throat> so one of the things that occurred to me was was to, to look to other contexts. And uh, this may sound silly, but, you know, you think about how we we import a lot of television shows from places like England, right? You know, certainly we import cuisines and, you know, things like that. And so I started thinking, you know, is there, is there something politically that we could look to? And, uh, other than house of cards, other than house of cards. Right. Right. right exactly. Uh, I, you know, we have enough of that. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so in any case, uh, I started thinking about Christian democracy. Uh, it may that may have been prompted to some degree from Acton's activity with Abraham Kuyper. You know that may have kind of gotten me thinking, and uh, so I started to think, hey, uh, I would like to know what some smart people I know think about the idea of Christian democracy. Could we, you know, does it have an applicability to the United States? Could that represent some kind of you know new force? Could it modify one of the existing parties? Could it represent a new direction? Uh, and so I recruited people like uh, like uh, yourself, Paul Bonicelli, Micah Watson, Tony Gill from University of Washington, um, Paul Miller from University of Texas, Brian Coises from David Coises from Redeemer, uh, Brian McGraw from Wheaton, and, and kind of just asked, you know, what do you think about this? And uh, and had everybody write, and uh, you know, so we produced what I think is an interesting symposium, and. Uh, and now I have uh, had the opportunity to write a big piece on the same topic for Modern Age, which right. should be coming out in the near future. Do you, you have a schedule for that? Like when, when that's going to I don't or? know. Uh, you know, Peter Lawler has become the new editor sure. of, of Modern Age, and he invited the piece. So okay. I, th- I think he enjoyed the symposium for perspectives. So, Micah, you, uh, Hunter asked you to, to write something and contribute to the symposium. What was the— what was your basic point of departure for talking about Christian democracy and its prospects, if there are any? And- I want to start off by thinking about where the burden of proof should lie in this sort of argument. And so thinking about uh, Christian political parties proposed to speak and govern in the name of Christ, and that's a very high standard. Uh, and then, you know, the other, I guess, background assumption I had is for a long time, you had this idea of the American exception what that was, you had a modern country that was yet still very religious, whereas the conventional wisdom was that to become more modern, to become more industrialized, was to become more secular. And most European countries were becoming more secular. Why was it the United States was modern and yet remained a vibrant religious society? And one explanation for that was, uh, from the beginning, at least with our federal government, we had no intertangling of religion and politics. They were separate. Um, a lot of different commentators on this. Alexis Tocqueville, one of them. And so when looking to Europe, how has Europe's church and uh, Christian life flourished with the intertwining of uh, state and church? And um, and really, I think it's not done terribly well. And so I was, uh, from the beginning, a little skeptical that we would do well to return to thinking in those terms uh, that, that by weaving those two realms back together, that that would be a good thing for the church. So I wanted to look at what are, well, at least what are the, some of the obstacles such an argument would have to um, surpass in order to succeed, saying that we should reintroduce the idea of Christian political parties. It'd be a regress, a regression. Well, at least at least the, the, the track record would be one of concern. I, I, you know, as, as Hunter mentions, he, I think he wrote a great um, overview piece looking at the different uh, contributions. And I, of the three naysayers, leave out some 
uh, hope that there, that it could work out. But I think that it's a pretty high burden um, given the track record. I want to I want to clarify a little bit. Um, I agree one hundred percent that <clears throat> that the European established church situation, right? You know the uh, the tie between the government and the and the churches institutionally. Um, was very damaging, and I and I, I agree with Rodney Stark and other people who would write that uh, that 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 explains a significant part of the uh, the more advanced state of secularization in those countries. But I think there's a significant difference between uh, church and state as a frame versus religion and politics as a frame, and so I think that uh, with Christian democracy, I wouldn't be proposing a closer tie between, uh, you know, the church as an institution and the, the formal body of the state. You know, certainly I don't want to see uh, the Department of God, you know, or, or bureaucrats who are priests, you know, or wh- whatever like that. Um, what I'm thinking is, is that, uh, is that these parties would be associations of Christians uh, who, are, who are trying to influence politics. You know, the... Uh, you and I were talking about this earlier. Kuiper's party was called the Anti-Revolutionary Party. That's right. Yeah. But then you offered, you said, well, that was the negative name of it. <laughs> right. You said there was a positive name, right. which was what? The Christian Historical Party. So right. it was a, an attempt to argue and show that, that the, the, the nation state of the nation of the Netherlands had a particular historical grounding, and it was an attempt to reclaim that in some responsible way. That was the sort of positive vision. Right, um, right. Well, let's, Paul, can we talk a little bit about the challenge? So there's a couple, there's lots of things going on here. This is a very complex conversation, but, you know, Hunter is talking about that one of the motivations being to basically triangulate, to try to get beyond this, whether it's a left-right dichotomy or a Democrat-GOP dichotomy. What are some of the generic challenges third parties in the United States face that are going to apply to any kind of a third party? Right, and no matter who they are. As opposed to the specifics of whether it's named a Christian party. And, and Hunter, you just used the plural, by the way. Maybe we can come back to that, whether it's a party or parties. Yeah, Christians don't States. agree on everything. Right. Certainly not. Uh, well, you know, in this country, uh, because of the way we do our elections, first past the post, and um, um, all of the rules uh, that are uh, operated by the states but uh, embraced nationally, uh, it's very hard for anybody to uh, get traction with a third party. So it's always very easy to say, um, for people to dismiss it and say, you're throwing your vote away, it'll never mean anything. And uh, that, that is true based upon the math of it and, uh, and the rules. It doesn't mean that there is not a uh, possibility that a third party can have a great impact. And, and we could talk about that with, you know, and, and I think Hunter referred to it, um, the kind of influence you're having on the existing parties, uh, moving them in a certain direction. But um, uh, I, I think you still have the problem of uh, people accepting that it's needed. And once you do, then you still have to convince them, well, it can actually mean something. So uh, let's talk a little bit more, too, about what specifically the issues. I guess there would be trade-offs, positive and negative, with naming a third-party attempt, identifying it explicitly as a Christian party. Mm-hmm. A Christian Democratic Party, which would be well. I mean, you could start off just by observing that um, that since the since the post World War II period, uh, the Christian Democrats, and as we pointed out, fairly secular Germany uh, is certainly a modern nation. Uh, they have been the most successful political party 
in that country, right? I mean, they have governed something like 40, 40 plus years uh, out of the out of the post-war period, you know, more than anybody else and certainly more than the Social Democrats, which would be the more the more secular statist party. Um, I, you know, there there is a uh, in that context, of course, it's there's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Parties that's right, too, right? But, so. but you are but you are still talking about about a party that uh, that even at times has governed without a partner, uh, right? And, and the that, social democrats have had to join the greens <laughs> to keep their numbers up. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, I mean, I I don't think that just naming it Christian uh, is is naturally a a, a huge uh, problem. Although uh, if you look at the you know, there is a Christian Democrat Party in the United States. Yeah, uh, right. The American Solidarity Party. Exactly. Is the name so, of them, you know, yeah. what they have chosen to do is to take one of the kind of the four key themes of Christian democracy and to to use that for the name. Um, but you know, the the thing that is the thing that is really interesting, and you know, Dr. Watson pointed this out in his paper, um, is you know, are there um, serious problems? with using the name Christian, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what, what he brings out. Um, maybe we could ask Dr. Watson just to kind of briefly explain that argument, uh, that kind of another meditation on the third commandment, mediation. Was it meditation? Meditation. Meditation, yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, we had talked about, we talked about the difference between influencing politics, but a political party uh, is going to aim to govern. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to ask, what is the platform that a Christian political party will seek to govern with, uh, and that will mean governing those who are Christians and those who aren't, it's going to have to take positions on a number of domestic and international type positions. And, I, and the questions I raise are, what are the specifically specifically Christian positions uh, that a Christian political party will propose and then seek to implement that are unique to Christianity, right, um, that aren't shared by others? Uh, a Christian political party, I guess the basic tension that I raise is the more Christian the party is, the more it's going to leave out um, allies and other folks that can help. The more it's a party, the more it's actually able to get things done, it's, it's the same thing. So if you're talking about a group that's trying to influence politics, I have no problem, and I think Christians have been doing that for quite some time and should. It's part of being salt and light in the culture. If you're talking about an apparatus that's going to impose policy after the democratic process, uh, then I think you uh, really need to name, lay out what are these things that, that this party is proposing to do, what's the grounding for it, Where's, what's the grounding in church tradition, in scripture, uh, and how do you interact with those Christians who see it differently? Are we making something that is a matter of prudential judgment uh, into something that uh, says, for which we say, thus saith the Lord, by adding Christian to our description of our party and trying to advocate it. Is one way of thinking about this um, the difference between a, a using the definite versus the indefinite article to describe it? So um, maybe they still do this at Calvin College. They had a class called Developing a Christian Mind, right? And it was very intentional that they called it that because there wasn't sort of one way, Christian way of thinking about things. There's a, you know, you could talk about it generally, but the goal is to have a Christian mind, right? And there's lots of uh, diverse expressions of that depending on our place and context and the way we were raised and things we're thinking about. So, um, Hunter, could you talk a little bit about the dynamics of calling it a Christian party mm-hmm. and yet not claiming it's the the only Christian option, right? Because you, you would yeah. say that Christians could be part of a different party. No, the idea is not to say that uh, if you are a Christian, then you will be a Christian Democrat. Now, um, one of the things that, 
that actually um, Brian McGraw pointed out, um, uh, but you also get it from Kuiper's negative name for the party, the anti-revolutionary party, uh, is that um, there is a reason why these parties emerged, right? Kind of the, you know, the, when he, when he calls it the anti-revolutionary party, he's talking about the French revolution. Uh, and so, uh, what's happening then is this is a party that is designed to, uh, resist the, uh, the sort of, this sort of, uh, secular statism, right? That, and, and not just any secular statism, but, but an aggressive secular statism, and so, uh, so when Kuiper calls it the anti-revolutionary party, uh, what he's doing is, to some degree, he is he is representing the Christian interest in society, right? That that he wants to protect the validity of the idea of things like having Christian schools, uh, you know, or or in our situation, uh, having Christian universities or uh, various Christian nonprofits, uh, the viability of uh, Catholic charities or Catholic adoption agencies, you know, things like that. But if you want to protect those things to some degree, it might be wise to have to a political, to organize yeah, politically right. to achieve that. And, you know, and I, that actually reminds me of another reason I started thinking about that is that uh, when Justice Scalia died, uh, and I, you know, I still remember the moan that came out of me when I heard that he had passed, um, I started to think that the future for something like religious liberty and, and you know, and for life uh, on the Supreme Court was looking pretty dark. Uh, and that, that if it comes, if, if, if the court is disinclined to protect some of these fundamental freedoms or principles, then how do you protect it? And part of the answer to that is you organize democratically, right? And, you know, actually one of the ironies is, is that uh, in the famous Smith case where uh, Justice Scalia wrote that the, the, you know, the Constitution did not provide for the Indians to ingest peyote and be free from consequences in so doing. Uh, part of his argument was, was that they should seek political protection mm. uh, for that freedom. They should go to the legislature. They should explain. You have to have some skin in the game to uh, go ahead and make the claim that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, there, I think that especially in our society, you know, why haven't we had that in the United States up until now? I would say that because for a long time, both the Republican and the Democratic Party were eager to paint themselves as Christian. Uh, and so why would you need to make a Christian political party in that context? So uh, we can go around and, and everybody can weigh on this if they like. Does this mean that we're becoming more like Europe in this sense? We're abandoning increasingly the legacy of, say, the American Revolution and increasingly having a society that reflects the kind of dynamics that Kuiper observed and Burke and others following the French Revolution. It, it doesn't that reveal, so yeah. doesn't that reveal a, a tension insofar as the country's becoming less Christian, then the solution is to get, is to create a Christian party that needs a majority to operate, right. but yet we have less of a majority of Christians. So it, in a parliamentary system, I could see how this could make some sense, but in a binary, you know, party system, uh, it strikes me as as quixotic to think that because there are less Christians and less influential, the solution to that is a party that's going to require quite a few Christians getting their act together politically and banding together on Christian right. premises. It's an identity politics, right? It's not necessarily you know, right. in, a, in a partisan it, form. It's not a governing platform to say, we need to protect our interests. Um, that is, I think that's a genuine interest and one that should be advanced, um, but it's not going to persuade the 
folks in the middle and, and the other people that you're going to need to put together uh, a wide-ranging right. coalition to resist uh, the, whatever you want to call it, the secular left or, or whatever. So let me just point out one of the, I guess, maybe a subtle or implicit shifts that's already been made in the way that we're talking about things compared to some of the historical precedents we've, we've talked about. When Kuyper organized, yeah, he called it, you know, the, the anti-revolution, they called it the anti-revolutionary party or the Christian historical party, but he meant reformed Christian, mm-hmm. right? The Catholics were not actually part of that party. He ended up becoming part of a governing coalition by agreeing to vote each other's candidates down ballot after the first, these sorts of things. But it, the party itself was not ecumenical in that sense. Um, now, Hunter, so we're expanding it here already kind of unconsciously in the United States context to say, well, what we need is a Christian Democratic mm-hmm. Party. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you mean some broad Orthodox Christian stream that includes Eastern, Roman Catholic. Yeah, Reform, I'm not even others. sure. Um, yes, I mean, you're talking about something broad. I mean, you're talking about something, I mean, look. But, is it, uh, but just back to Micah's to, point real quick. Yeah. Is, isn't, could, why not expand it more broadly and just have it be something that unites all the Judeo-Christian tradition, maybe you want to expand it? Or uh, yeah, Kuiper, other elsewhere makes arguments that the monotheistic kind of traditions could yeah. have something we could organize around. Yeah, politics, that's so. entirely that's entirely possible. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you look at um, German politics post World War II, okay, uh, prior to that time, you did have separate political parties, right? So you would have a Catholic party, uh, and then one that represented the, the more Protestant uh, interest. But after World War II. Uh, they come together, right, and uh, and they they have the Christian Democratic Party, uh, which kind of brings brings the two together. Um, as to the question of uh, could it, uh, do you have enough Christians in the United States? I, my argument would be that um, first of all, we're not. This is not a theological organization. Okay, so you are you are not trying to set out. Uh, one of the things you're not going to do is to say this party demands that you. Um, Let's see your certificate of baptism. Yeah, you know, Nicene Orthodox. Yes, right, exactly, like that, exactly. Yeah. You know, it it has political purposes um, that would be a, potentially attractive to a wide variety of people. Uh, so you know, it's not uh, the culturally Christian party. <laughs> <clears throat> we got new. We got a lot of good ideas for new names. Yeah. Just, is it necessary? That's to, what I'm going to gonna do. I'm the nominal Christian, <laughs> nominal <laughs> Christian <laughs> party. Well, oh, yeah, I, 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 a couple. Of, this raises a lot of questions for me. First of all, I don't know if we want to take the time to do it, but the word democratic is not necessarily helpful, uh, particularly for a lot of the people that you want to attract. Yeah. They're going to immediately go, "What? I'm not yeah. a Democrat." You know, they don't want to do that. That's how they talk, by the way. But um, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Here in Michigan, um, the. Uh, the, the, but the Christian part, I can see both arguments. I can see a lot of the points Micah makes I think are exactly right. Um, the, the logic of pursuing something that appears to be, well, that's waning, so why would you think you could get more people? But we just saw an election for president where we learned and we should have understood that a lot of people in this country call themselves Christian and are evangelicals, and they don't necessarily have the same seriousness of faith that, say, those who brought the moral majority to power and and Ronald Reagan earlier and all that. So maybe you do have enough people that would say, Christian, I like that. I consider myself Christian, whatever that means to them. But I think, to Jordan's point, it will have to be tied, I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jordan, but but you, you have to move people from thinking Christian just means something about faith to, well, there's a certain set of things I believe in. I believe in uh, pro-life, and I think marriage is important, and I want my nation protected, you know, et cetera. And then I think you're getting somewhere uh, with that group, whether or not it's big enough to um, 
pull enough from the D's and the R's and the independents and then make up a, uh, a plurality that can win a district mm-hmm. or whether it will just influence? Well, let me give you an example. Um, you know, one of the things when we talk about, and this is, this is not going to be alien to, to you, um, when we talk about third parties, right, uh, typically they, they either have no impact at all uh, or typically if they, if they present enough of a threat – they get co-opted, right, right? or absorbed, right. Right? right? They manage to change the larger party that takes them in to eliminate the threat. Um, with Christian democracy, let's just imagine that the that the Republicans became convinced of, of Christian democracy and wanted to change the party in that direction. I'm not sure if that would really give you the maximum impact of Christian democracy. For instance, uh, I You mean suspect, you think more is possible? It, yeah, in this sense, uh, I think that um, you know you and I are both both Southerners. Okay, uh, I think that there are probably Mike and I are both from California. Too, yeah, so. that which if we're, if we're getting if we're which getting means that, that your thoughts yeah, are completely yeah. irrelevant. Right, you know, you're part of the problem. <laughs> you guys are gonna it's gonna fall in the sea, and you'll just be glad you made it to say you're in real America. Reagan. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> he was the he was the last great prophet, and they would have killed him if they could have. Uh, but but so in any case. Um, take the African-American vote, okay? I'm not sure that African-Americans can ever be persuaded to vote Republican, no matter how many reservations Certainly in have. significant numbers. Yeah, but uh, if you manage to uh, bring about this kind of other identity, it seems to me like that could potentially make something possible. You know, a greater inroads. I, I think if you designed a party— that made people, if, if you take a top 10 uh, Pew or Gallup list of social political questions that, you know, are asked at election time or asked all the time, we, we know that for years, the majority of Americans have been what you would call conservative on a lot of those issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it depends on how you ask the question or whatever, but we know that's there. The country's basically center right. If what you're arguing is you create a party that is properly named and and is identified with all those where there's that center right majority, I think you're you're moving somewhere. Um, I, I I don't wouldn't argue that uh, it's needed or that it's possible. Uh, just that the thought experiment makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, if I am a a conservative Republican and I'm frustrated that that the Republican Party doesn't um, it is not consistent on those issues. I would be telling my colleagues, look, let's just get right on these eight of ten issues that are consistently center-right. It's where the country is, and they'll come to us. Micah, could you say a little bit about whether you think many of Hunter's concerns, his aims, could be addressed by some other means? You kind of you alluded to this, I think, a little bit earlier. Do we need a party to accomplish this? Are there other possibilities to to do what Hunter's talking about, what his goal is? rather than forming a new political party? Uh, I do think you need a party. Um, I, I mean, if you look at our national politics right now, the Republican Party, for better or for worse, is the only national organization that can implement nationwide pro-life policy, for example. And we're actually seeing the potential of some progress on that. Whether it has to be a Christian party, that's obviously what I have my doubts uh, about. But I do think Christians need to have a voice uh, in parties, um, and it would be, you know, like on the pro-life issue, for example, it's a tragedy that only one party really speaks to that issue and the other one The loss not. of pro-life Democrats is a huge It's been problem. bad. It's, yeah. It allows uh, some Republicans to cynically exploit that issue, and it, and it, um, it, it 
for example, with African-Americans, many of them are pro-life, yet on economic matters and, and government involvement in the economy, they feel like they are um, must stay with the they Democratic Party. marriage. And marriage, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I do think it's uh, you have to you have to have a party. Um, I mean, in, in one sense, one one perhaps uh, way I could get more on board with what Hunter's talking about. You talk about trying to do this at a state level, someplace. Could there be could could um, advocates of this sort of project think what state might we have some electoral success in the Christian and, Democratic State Project? Yeah, uh, well, or even you know, or even lower than that. Look, if we're talking right. about um, maybe maybe in West Michigan somewhere, well, Mississippi. <laughs> Yeah, or, <laughs> or 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 Utah, since it's not you know they're not talking about theology. They're oh, you know more com- oh, more common oh, ground there. Um, hit me where it hurts. Uh, well, <laughs> no, but I, but I mean if 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 they one of the one of the hallmarks of I think what Hunter is talking about, something I agree with, is is we need to recapture a sense of local <clears throat> politics, state politics, you know, federalism, um, and uh, this might be a way if. If you're asking to take the reins of the big horse at some point, or thinking that would be plausible, then show us that it's that it's workable on the smaller level. Uh, now, okay, so let me jump in here, um, Micah. Let's so let's let's take away the the formal issue of the name. All right. So let's imagine that let's imagine that we do manage to achieve, uh, you know, much better. Uh, fundraising and organizational aptitude and whatever else for the for the American Solidarity Party, okay? And let's imagine that they arrange their their program as they do. You know, I have some disagreements with the way they do it, but but as they do, along those lines of uh, of personalism, uh, solidarity, subsidiarity, uh, you know, certain ideas about about ideological pluralism. Um, so you you maybe religious would, liberty right because this religious goes liberty, to the point that, that we can't just be worried about religious liberty for Christians that's or part of the evangelical yeah that's part of ideological right? pluralism yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes uh, so your objections would maybe be substantially less without that so if the the philosophy and the program is there without the formal name well that, I mean yeah I'm, I'm a natural law guy right so I think many this is one of the, my points is many of the things that we would advocate for we we think it, that Christians should have room to practice their faith we also think that's true for Jews and Muslims and, yeah, and people of other, sure. so so in that sense um, yeah I, I and, would, and that's been part of Christian democracy I mean a lot you know certainly right um, but one doesn't have to be a Christian to know that those things are important like Nat Hantoff just passed away right famous right. pro-life atheist would he feel mm-hmm. welcome in our party that we're that's proposing right. that's right uh, well not if it's a Christian Party, right? So, um, so, so, yeah. I think uh, I, I happen to think there is a pretty. There's a natural law party too, by the way. I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's that, we're talking about working votes. within the confines of existing. Uh, right. The, the Venn diagram between what um, what I think these this coalition of people of goodwill would agree on, and what what has been talked about with the Christian Democratic Party, I think is pretty pretty significant. I think where you're going to lose folks, if you want to attract the, the African-Americans, then on economic matters, you're going to move towards the middle more, and you're going to lose some of the more uh, laissez-faire folks. Now, now, okay, so that's that's a critical point, okay? Um, the <clears throat> One of the big things about Christian democracy is, uh, you know, you can look back and you can see this in Augustine. You can certainly see it with Kuiper, this idea of governing for concord, right? You know, that... Uh, uh, or even, or even Aristotle, the idea of, you know, you're governing for harmony between the different parts, right? And so one of the things that is at the core of Christian democracy is 
trying to govern in that way. I mean, the Christian Democratic parties are are more often than not center right parties, uh, not as not as not as free market as the Republicans, but. Uh, but certainly, some Republicans. Yeah, but, yeah. but certainly in the countries where they exist, they tend to represent the dominant center-right option, right? Uh, but a big part of what they're trying to do is to formulate an, an economic policy right. that helps to diminish the friction, uh, you know, and yeah. the sense of cooperation and cohesiveness between the different groups in society. Well, this is why. So the Jack Kemp, Paul Ryan, Bob Woodson, right, stream would be would have to. To win out among, which would be, I think, from my own point of view, would be would be great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we definitely have to. You would have to move. You have to give up some things, which is part of what politics. Paul, is about. go ahead. Yeah. I, you know, I continuing the the earlier discussion about um, whether it's needed and numbers and all of that. If if you had enough people who believed that there was such thing as Christian democracy, there were Christian points of view on these political. Questions and they're frustrated because they cannot um, uh, win, uh, and then so they need to do something drastic. If there are enough people who could create a party that would make a difference, then there should be enough people to take over the Republican Party. <laughs> and I, I want to stress this because I've had a lot of fun saying this for the last few years. If you don't like who's at the top of the ticket in any race, what did you do? to see to it that the right people were running, was it you or someone you supported? In other words, farm team and all of that. This is not a a throwaway to just say this is a dumb exercise, but it really is an important question because one would argue, one would think if the energy and resources and interest are there to create a new one that could win, then why not just take over the one that exists um, right now? Hunter, let's give you the last word. Where where does your uh, Christian democracy experiment go from here? You mentioned a forthcoming I, essay. Well, yeah. I want to. I actually want to continue uh, working on it, continue investigating it. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of obsessed with this idea. Uh, you know, one of the people I sometimes battle with on on Twitter is a guy like Jamie Smith, uh, or in my own institution, you know, one of my valued colleagues tends to reflexively go a little bit to the left. And I think a lot of times some of that is associated with the baggage of the Republican Party, uh, the baggage of what it means to be right wing or something like that. And I just I just sometimes I think that that a different a different sort of a philosophy, maybe it achieves some of the same results. Maybe it is more protective of liberty, whatever else. But that that vision of Concord that it could provide a way to put together a coalition that is that is somewhat different than the ones that already exist, uh, and that maybe could address some of the things that are major problems in America right now. Uh, you know, we we are we are having a problem with uh, with harmony. Uh, we are we are you know the Trump's election shows that there are a lot of people who feel that they have been left behind by the the solution that that was declared to be the end of history. Right. Uh, and so I think there's an open question as to uh, is there is there maybe a different mix of policies uh, still ultimately respecting the market, uh, but uh, which maybe tries to mediate in a different way. Um, and, you know, and actually speaking to the other side, one that recognizes that when we talk about something like solidarity, we're not just talking about in the state. Right. That there are there are other ways to recognize solidarity. 
than in the state, and the state needs to recognize that, right? Uh, and you know, ditto with 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 personalism. Personalism is a little bit different twist than something like liberal individualism. Uh, so I'm just I just think it would be a fruitful exercise all the way around for people to begin to kind of trying to get their head around some of these concepts and how they might alter the way we think about American politics. Well, that brings our podcast to a close for today. Thanks, uh, of course, to Jordan Baller, uh, to Paul Bonicelli, Michael Watson, and, of course, to Hunter Baker as well for uh, joining us and uh, having this discussion uh, on the podcast. I want to point out as well, Michael Watson will be here at the Acton Institute on February 9th. Uh, as part of our Acton Lecture Series 2017, he's going to be talking on the topic of C.S. Lewis versus democracy. So you can head over to our uh, brand spanking new website, acton.org events, and register for that lecture. Uh, again, February 9th, the uh, doors open at 1130. Uh, there will be a lunch uh, and lecture at noon. Uh, good Q&A to follow. And uh, the Acton Lecture Series is always a worthwhile thing to attend. Uh, a lot of food for thought uh, at every Acton Lecture Series event. Well, once again, uh, thank you to all of our panelists for joining us today on the podcast and having such an interesting discussion. Thanks as well to all of our listeners. We do appreciate very much uh, your patronage of the podcast, and we hope you'll share the podcast with those who uh, might not know about Acton, uh, but might uh, be interested in some of the work that we do, uh, building a free and virtuous society characterized by individual liberty, but sustained by religious principles. Uh, We'll talk to you on future editions of Radio Free Acton. So long, everybody. 